0: The Inside Ellen Road Podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit two Wither Park Industrial Estate Leeds, postcode LS five three AP. Check out PR Supplies on Facebook for all your home retail needs. hello welcome back to the inside ellen road podcast it's a week on from arguably leeds united's finest result of the season so far a 1-0 win over high-flying leicester city at the king power stadium georginio ruta's 58th minute goal the difference between the two sides in the east midlands on what was a superb night for daniel farker and his team uh, i'm your host joe Donahue, and as always joined by YEP chief football writer graham smith um, we've had many a trip to the king power in recent years can't recall too many of them going according to plan, certainly not in, uh, in the, the vein that last Friday's did. Um, and in the words of Katy Perry, what did you make of uh, last Friday night, Graham? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, Well, there were fireworks, weren't there? Um, there were fireworks, yeah. Yeah, I think the highlights for me, probably the uh, jerk chicken stew. Um, Leicester has always put in on a tremendous spread, the pick and mix. Uh, the car park man not having your name on his list. Uh um, some really good passive aggression. Uh the away end being particularly boisterous, I thought the atmosphere was actually pretty good. Um, despite you know the clappers and and whatnot. Um and then I thought the game itself, you know, we've we've seen some dross this season. We have seen some championship fodder that leads have kind of carved up and, and teams that haven't offered anything. And and whilst Leicester were definitely not allowed to play to their best. I still thought it was two very good teams, um, some really good players on, on both sides, and a really good, tight game, you know, that was nervy right to the finish. So it was very, very entertaining Friday night.
0: Yeah, I think you're probably doing the catering team a disservice there as well. I think there were three great teams on show um, at the King Power. Because <laughs> as you say, that jerk chicken stew, I've been thinking about it all week. Um I need to I need to get that recipe because it was just oh four just oh, brilliant, um, and I got to I, I was sort of your guinea pig again, you know I got to to taste it before you did. You needed to check the allergen sheet to see if there was any you know of the thousand things that you're allergic to on the, on the list. <laughs> one, that's one thing <laughs> that I'm allergic to. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was fantastic, and yeah, we we're always well looked after at uh, the King Power. So, uh, if leads are to be promoted. I certainly hope it's Leicester who also get promoted, um, because that would be that would be very, very good to go back there. Um, and oh, also, can I just say uh, the lady who welcomes you into the press box, the the greeter, if you will, she remembered my name, which was which was really really kind of her.
1: Um, at full time, she didn't remember your name from like last season or anything. She had it on a list.
0: Yeah, but from the beginning of the the, the beginning of the evening, you know, she, there's there's lots of journalists going in there
1: all right yeah that, that is impressive um yeah well done Leicester. just generally very accommodating as was their defense when Leeds took that mm-hmm. uh, corner and uh sam byram got up and powered a header towards goal and uh after your man in net mads had a mad one ruter stuck away the rebound isn't it funny that we've been talking about uh jorginho contributing everything but the finish in recent weeks and I don't want to denigrate his performance by saying he provided, you know, the finish and not the rest of it. But it was, it was a performance from him very much categorized by being in the right place, scoring a really important goal. He worked really hard, but he didn't shine creatively in the way he has recently. And just as you'll take his creativity without the finish, if Leeds are winning, you'll absolutely take, uh, you know, a close-range stabbed finish and none of the kind of stepovers and and silky skills that we've seen. Lately, if Leeds go on and win, and that was such an important game to win, and so impressive because Leicester have been on a tear, like an absolute record-setting tear. Um, So to go there to keep a clean sheet, to stop Jewsbury Hall from playing, you know, he he barely he was barely a factor until one second of stoppage time, and um, Vardy, who so often has been a bit of a tormentor for Leeds, barely got a kick you know, contributed to to Leicester's downfall, looked generally frustrated and and then went off. Um, it, it was just a very, very good performance all around from Leeds, I felt, you know, defensively very, very good. Um, Sam Byron recovered from a horrible first half, you know, his was probably the the weak spot in that first half and and um, second half, you know, Cree Somerville and him teamed up brilliantly down that side and... Just, you look across the team and they were solid performances. I mean, Kamara was excellent. You know, Best 45 minutes we've seen from him in that first half. Uh, Ampadu, very, very important. And Strike and Rodon were just imperious in central defence. I mean, that's as good, I think, I've, as I've seen Strike since probably the first season uh, in the Premier League. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. And, you know, you're talking about
0: Georgie Rutter there applying the finish. Um, he also applied the finish international with the man of the match award on sky um at full time very good very in good of, yeah, yeah you you went on a bit there i was kind of having to really jog my memory just so i didn't forget <laughs> that um uh so i actually didn't hear anything you said after that it was just on a loop in my head sort of like the a monkey playing symbols doing backflips um just so i could monopolize the conversation with a little bit of humor um no i i, I agree i think kamara yes was i think he got the uh, the fans man of the match award um, obviously was was awarded that by Sky Sports as well at full time um, and it's only since sort of going back through the game and, and looking at the, the statistics and just the the influence that he had um, that you actually really fully appreciate because um, yeah it, it was that that block of four of Strike Rodon, Ampadu and Kamara that essentially meant that Dewsbury Hall whenever he picked up the ball you know didn't really have a Vardy to, to play the ball into down the channels because he was always tracked or you know you you spotted it midway through the game Rodon was giving himself two or three yards head start on Vardy whenever he was sort of sitting on the last man um again quite smart because when know, we know that Vardy's got that pace um and yeah I think he I think he was subbed off in the in sort of the during the celebrations for the Leeds goal so that's what 58, 58 59 minutes and yeah he was um he was he was basically a, a footnote in that game jamie vardy um and again it shows that you organize a team really well you set up defensively and you can stop one of you know english footballs in at least in recent seasons maybe not this year um one of the more prolific and troublesome strikers that that you know english football produced so um yeah i think all in all a, a great great evening um some excellent pictures from our, our snapper bruce um as he we went down there. Uh, one in particular that went really, really well with a lot of fans uh, was was Jorginho doing the, the lead salute. Um, I mean, I think it was b- before I'd even clocked that he'd done it. I think someone had tweeted you or I and said, do you have a picture of this? Um, <laughs> that's how that's how keen people were to get, to get their hands or, or rather get their eyes on it. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's exactly what you want to see. You want to see players buying into it. You want to see team spirit. You look at some of the photographs of the celebrations and, you know, the, the, the Erling Haaland quote, isn't it? Is that, hang it in the Louvre when he's taking the mick out of John Stones. The, the amount of people who I saw, you know, quote tweeting pictures of, of Bruce's and, and stuff like that. Um, it, 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 there were some excellent, excellent shots. And that's exactly what you want. You want to see, you know, immortalised, big, 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 big wins in the grand scheme of this season. You want to see big wins immortalized like that. And um,
1: yeah, I'm glad that we've uh, we've got
0: the YEP uh, copyright on them.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, Bruce is an absolute king. Um, it, it, what you say about buy-in? I'm starting to get the sense around this team that kind of, it, it's like a new thing is developing. You know, I felt last season, uh, and, and people might, people close to the team might, they would have denied it at the time. They probably still would deny it now. I felt it was quite cliquey. Last season, I felt like the, the kind of all-in togetherness that they had under Bielsa had gone uh, last season. I felt that there was kind of little compartments of players who were pally with each other, and there wasn't a great deal of kind of mixing, I suppose, before games, you know, after games. And there's no doubt that the stress of last season would have taken a toll. Um, but you did kind of have, you had the American contingent, um, you had, uh, the young lads, you know, Cree, Willie, um, latterly Jorginho would have been with them. And then you kind of got your, your stalwarts who had been there from the start, you know, that had, had, had been there through the promotion times. Um, and I just, I don't know. I just, I just feel like it didn't, it didn't look at, well, people weren't having fun for a start, so they're not going to look like they're enjoying each other's company because they clearly weren't. But this season, and winning definitely helps, but this season it feels like they're, they're getting things together as a group. You know, that there's new leaders in the group. Uh, there are young players who were just kind of young players who are now key players. And with that comes a whole new dressing room culture, I suppose, a whole new kind of atmosphere as the likes of Somerville step up to be main players. Um rutair you know suddenly is the life and soul and leads i don't want to say they didn't have characters because they there were some really big characters in the dressing room last season but remember when they had Alioski, and he was like like a he unified the team i mean he was the one answer they all gave to who would you not want to be um in quarantine with during the pandemic um but in a dressing room they all absolutely loved him and you, you need like one or two head the balls who are just always bouncing around the place, making silly noises, you know, just grinning inanely. And it feels like Rutair has become that kind of character for Leeds United. And there's a few in the dressing room that have always got a big grin on their face. Archie Gray is another one. Um, Joe Rodon, in fact, cited those two earlier this week as the two that make him laugh the most Archie Gray and, and Jorginho Ruter. And it just feels to me like that, that there is like, yeah, like a new thing in the dressing room. Yeah, I mean, speaking about unity and togetherness,
0: um, the the away end was was in fine voice at the King Power. Um, I'm not sure that Sky TV will be best pleased with um, the certain chants that were on uh, on display. Um, they were particularly vocal on that one, um, and there was a nice—I well, say nice—it was quite a, a, a comical moment. You'd already headed down to the uh, the press room, um, eager as a yeah eager as they come really um to see if there were any leftover pick and mix sweets i bet um no
1: no 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 i'm not having that i had no pick and mix after my initial burst of pick and mix activity before the game
0: oh, are we are you? Are we done remonstrating
1: yeah carry on yeah uh so i was just packing
0: up my things uh from the desk and looked over to sort of the the guests sort of directors area and um at the time, there was the uh, it was the post match interview that Jorginho and, and Glenn Camaro were doing, uh, and at the same time, it was the uh, the now infamous chant that Leeds fans like to sing whenever the uh, the team are on Sky, uh, and I, I kind of I, I thought what I spotted was um, Parag Marath, the uh, the the obviously the Leeds United chairman being explained or having explained to him uh, by Angus Kinnear what the fans were chanting. Um, because Parag sort of pointed <laughs> at the pitch, w- w- you know, where the, the the only two players the o- who were still remaining there were Kamara and Jorginho. Um and uh, no, sorry, no, it was um, it was Angus who pointed at the pitch, I suppose to suggest that that's an interview being done by Sky. The fans are chanting these words, and uh, <laughs> sort of, I wouldn't say that Parag the, the the very astute businessman that he is, he didn't sort of throw his head back in laughter, but he sort of smiled and grinned a little bit as if like a like an acknowledgement of the the impish behavior of the uh, the three thousand or so in the away end um but yeah again great noise from them um from from start to finish i mean it's it's a far cry from from what we saw at um at the king power last time we were there wasn't it um when it was the you know what i mean i'm gonna paraphrase you, i'm not gonna use the full word but what on earth is going on um was the chant um, towards Jesse Marsh's team, um, whereas at the end of that game last Friday, you had you know the three big fist pumps or four, as Daniel Farker likes to do, despite the fact that he only gets three cheers every time, um, <laughs> and uh, Elon Melier as well doing the the big fist pumps, and he must have felt like a million dollars or a million euros because that was one hell of a save that he made in right at the death, didn't have anything to do all game pretty much. But that that is why that's why he's Daniel Farker's number one.
1: yeah I mean that's a that's a big moment and you want your goalkeeper to be a big game player who can you know sit on his backside for 89 minutes and then suddenly claw one out of the top corner um Dewsbury Hall you know <laughs> it's testament to Dewsbury Hall actually having not really figured in the game that he got himself into that position got up above ailing and very nearly, rescued a point you know that again that's what you work that's where you want your big game players uh in the final seconds you know coming up with moments like that but melier was equal to it um terrific save and uh he's having an all right season is uh is melier he's certainly having a good enough season that there's no real debate there's no conversation at the minute is there there's nobody suggesting bring in carl darlow uh, um and yet how many of us actually thought Melier would still be here when when the summer began? You know, and, and how many thought when Darlow came in that Darlow would be relegated to League Cup goalkeeper? You know, but the way that Melier's has performed, and I, I suppose as well, you have to add the way that Darlow performed against Salford. There just there hasn't really been a, a a point where you would think, right now it's time for Farca to to make a change. Um, there's so many situations that are really a. Like you said, a far cry, a far cry from what we saw uh, last last season. Throughout last season, just how ridiculous it all got. Um, I hadn't actually thought too much about that Leicester game where they were chanting, you know, what's going on, and, and that felt like—I
0: mean, it's—it's it's, it's only a job, Graham. Yeah, <laughs> how, what's, gone, what's gone before the ground that we're about to visit?
1: Yeah um but you're right it is a million miles away you know it's a plan that fans can understand a style of football that they are enjoying a team that they believe in and they're getting behind and results to back it all up you know it's just it's going well i think you could say um no one's dancing on any tables yet joe but you know even to put a little dent in that monstrous gap that Leicester had opened up and even just to introduce uh leads back into that automatic conversation because since then Ipswich you know the the wheels the wheels haven't come off the tractor but the tractor has definitely um encountered some mechanical difficulties because they've they've wobbled haven't they you know they they got pegged back very very late on against Rotherham they've drawn their last two haven't they so all of a sudden that gap has narrowed and uh and yeah, it's it's going well. It's there for the taking. And you think as
0: well Leeds have got two of their um toughest games of the season out of the way already and they've won both of them. Ipswich away, Leicester away. You know, the two teams who've, you know, been record breaking or in record breaking form, gone right to the top of the table. Leeds have beaten them both. Um, yes, they might still be sat in third, but still very much in the race and as you say, yes, there'll be no dancing on tables yet, as as Daniel Farka insisted uh, in his post-match at, at Leicester. Um, but wouldn't it be nice if, at the end of all this, at the end of the season, there was some dancing on some tables? <laughs> we might not, yeah. We we might not bear witness to it, but I'd like to think that there will be at least some dancing on tables.
1: Yes, um, you can't go all season long saying that you're not you're not prepared to dance on the table and then not dance on the table um i have to say though that uh despite as, as well as it has gone i think this Farca thing has has run its course uh, it might be time for a new manager because at the end of the press conference yesterday um in his embargoed section so i won't say too much about what he said because it was it's embargoed still but he happened to mention music so i took the opportunity at, as we were picking up our microphones and phones from the desk just to ask you know what what were you listening to 20 years ago daniel and um everything within me willing him to say rammstein or or just anything that would be in keeping with his general demeanor and look uh and he said um or oh, some some r&b perhaps uh oh wow okay yeah and it was at that point at that point that you could see my heartbreak. break um <laughs> And uh, he did. He did follow it up with, uh, but I don't really dance around anymore.
0: (laughs) But the thing is, he has he has made quite a few uh, comments to suggest that maybe he did. He was a dancer back in his day. I could well imagine when he was talking about Willie and Cree, he was like, you know, uh, you know, back in my they they dance now. Maybe uh, they dance on the pitch now. We were doing our dancing sort of in the evening after a game. I was thinking, Daniel, you fox. (laughs) <laughs> or what you, are what, what you keeping under wraps here?
1: You can imagine um, him in the 90s, um, yeah, being, being, being a mover, um, but he's not anymore. Um, maybe in the intervening years since then, his his musical taste has matured. I don't know. Maybe that's a conversation for another day. But um, yeah, he he can be pretty pleased, I think, with the job that he's done. And we've said it before, that what he's kind of fashioned out of a very, very, messy situation that he took over and that he came into and a mess that didn't really get sorted. I mean, I was looking, I was looking back at, uh, at highlights from the start of the season earlier this week and up, you know, up popped Sinistera and, uh, and then, you know, there was Nyonto And then even after the start of the season, Nyonto had his, his wobble and his, his, his bad advice era, if we might call it that. And, and the <laughs> refusal to play, uh, you know, the season was underway and that was all still going on. So to be here where they are, third, tucked in quite nicely, having beaten Leicester is excellent. But it means nothing, Joe. It means nothing if they lose to Plymouth at home.
0: Yeah, it does mean very little if they you know, win a game that they weren't expected to win and then lose a game or, or fail to win a game in which they're very, very much considered favourites. Um, the injury news for that, obviously, being Pascal strike uh, is out after going undergoing hernia surgery, uh, having played with pain, um, at you know for pretty much most of the season. Um, so look forward to him getting back and playing at one hundred percent rather than eighty percent, I believe, is what Daniel Farker said. Um, Jamie Shackleton will will sit out the uh, the game again with a glute issue. Um, there'll be another feature about that that little snippet later on in this this podcast, but. Um, We'll just, we'll just keep you sort of, I'll breadcrumb you that little bit of information there, Graham. Um, should we
1: talk about Pascal and how much of a blow that is? Because I think.
0: It's... Yes. I think I, I think you're right. And I think we should talk about that. But I mean, I have just begun the injury update. So I think people are probably quite keen to know which other players are out.
1: As if um, they don't know already. Go on.
0: Oh, OK. Um, excuse me. I'm fairly sure the Inside Allen Road podcast is the only source of Leeds news <laughs> that, that our listeners. Um, tune in for um yeah you've got Bamford and Cresswell are doubts but I think probably quite likely to be in the squad uh, after illness and personal reasons um meaning that they missed a couple of training sessions Spence still in his rehab in his rehab era if we can say um still coming back Dallas still coming back uh in individual training but not team training yet um and who have I missed Joe Gelhart Jeff, with his fractured hand, which thankfully doesn't require surgery so happy days lots of thumbs up for Joffy. um well maybe he won't be doing thumbs up because his hands fractured but um yeah that's the injury news do you want me to give you the plymouth injury news because i'm not no. sure that
1: everyone will know, know that no absolutely not i don't want to spend any time on the plymouth injury news <laughs> okay well it's ryan Hardy,
0: mustafa bundu uh, both injured um oh no saxon early by the way what
1: a name that is He's that's out. A, out that's tr- Saxon Early. That, yeah, that's not. Yes. A, that's not. That's not a name. That's a period of history. That is. <laughs> that's an essay title. That is absolutely fantastic. Saxon Early.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I. I did have to sort of check to make sure that he wasn't sort of a, a regen from Pro Evo Six when I was looking at that this morning, uh, and then you've got Mikel Miller who's suspended.
1: Uh, is Saxon Saxon Early's missing? Then you say
0: yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. He was, so they're not he gonna, was, he's not he Saxon was, early, is not facing a late fitness test then.
0: No. No, no. He was uh he was he was hit by the flint of an arrow. Um What's <laughs> that? <laughs> was, uh, was Saxon early? I'm probably about oh, 300. Gosh. No, I'm not I'm trying to think of my periods of history here. Saxons. That's 1066, isn't it? They were still using arrows then.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They were. Yeah. He's yeah. um he's come down with a bad case of the bu- bubonic plague. Um <laughs> just in time for a trip to Ellen road. Um, yeah, so now we can talk about Pascal Stroik. Now you've got that, that all that uh, and really crucial information out the way. Um, I have really enjoyed watching Pascal Stroik dictate the play from the back this season. And it's a particular joy of mine that his passes, whichever foot they come from, are almost always right in front of the winger that, he, that he's playing them to, you know, that allows them then, in one smooth movement to move forward. So players are not having to check back onto a pass that's hit behind them, a la, oh, I don't know, Western McKenney last season. Um, Stroik is actually putting the ball where it's meant to be. And that, something that Bielsa always drilled into his players, you know, they always talked about Bielsa and the details when you spoke to players. And he was always really keen that you played the ball to where it was meant to be. So not. Always directly to the player, but into his run, or 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 that puts him in a position where he can then attack instantly, and it carries the play on. And strike his passing has been really good, really really progressive, and not just you know back and forwards between the centre backs or little passes into Ampadu. It's been really good stuff down the flanks, whichever side of the defence he's been playing on. um, Probably more effective on the left, you'd say. He didn't really miss a beat too much, did he, when he was on the right? Um, so it'll be an area of interest, won't it, when Plymouth come to see how um, whoever Farca turns to, Liam Cooper, how he fills in that. Um, Cooper's not got a bad left foot on him by any stretch, um, but I'll be interested to see where the balance lies, you know, if, if they go more through Rodon or if they go more through Cooper or if Ampadu or Kamara... Uh, get more involved picking up the ball centrally or if they go out to Archie Gray at right back if that's where he plays a little bit more or you know you could see
0: Kamara dropping into the left back position as he has done previously and trying to progress the play in that way um, there's there's lots of options available to him but yeah you can't deny that that losing strike, even if it is for one game is, is a blow because he has been an ever present this season um, and we've been talking about how he's getting back to his best form and if that's been a Eighty percent with with a bit of pain, um, then yeah, then just looking forward to to seeing him at one hundred percent. Would you? Uh, did, would, what did you get up to on, on bonfire night and Halloween? Just out of interest. Um,
1: uh, which was so, uh, so we did plan to go to fireworks on Saturday night, but then realized uh, that we were that the fireworks were starting and we were still eating our dinner. And we did make a last ditch attempt to get to the rugby club that had the fireworks. And turned up just in time for everyone else to be streaming out of the gate uh, so <laughs> with the children absolutely crestfallen we uh, we took them on Sunday night to see other fireworks uh, which were excellent very good free council led fireworks in in Derbyshire down the M1 um, that's what we got up to very Why? good. Um, sorry why why am I sus- suspicious every time you ask a question <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I was thinking uh, mainly towards the because you know Halloween and bonfire night tend to go together um and I'm just wondering whether anybody else saw what Jorginho was up to on on Halloween um and whether we could possibly get to the bottom of whether him turning up in I don't know a little bit of eyeliner a cape and sort of to the to the backdrop of Michael Jackson's thriller at Ellen Road in the dead of night was something arranged by the club or was just something no nope.
1: back <laughs> nope no <Nope. laughs> <laughs> it came uh, as much as a surprise to the club as it did to anyone else um yeah there's worse things that your players could be rocking up at, at outside your stadium to promote or do um I don't have no idea what what possessed him uh, why he felt the need to go do that um but he did so then the club kind of uh got on board with it piggybacked it and put it on their socials crediting his uh his tiktok account um where else would you like him to i'm I'm quite keen to see if he shows up at christmas dressed as santa um or at easter dressed as a bunny or or jesus um slightly more controversial that that could be um (laughs) just a bit but i wonder what other what other kind of stunts he might get up to if if left unfettered. Um I mean, there are much worse things your young players could be getting up to than than that kind of stuff. But I'm interested. I'm I'm keen to see.
0: Yeah, I mean the, the, the reason that I've kind of gone on in a very long-winded way was because stumbling across Jorginho's TikTok as a result of that video that he posted. Um there was there was a, a brief moment where he sort of he'd screen recorded his phone and I thought, oh no, no, please don't have a <laughs> Please don't have some sort of incriminating address in there. Um, but Graham, I, I showed you straight away and I was absolutely beside myself with laughter that his last three searches um, for for locations. Um, one was a fancy dress shop in Headingley, um, <laughs> which I'm guessing is where he got his, his get up for the uh, for the video. So that was, that was I mean, if he's going to go and get a Santa costume or an Easter Bunny costume, he's got he's got a local supplier now. So that's good um the other one was also quite funny uh argos because <laughs> just the idea of him the idea of him going around argos or going to pick something up walking in using one of those little pencils or the self checking or what, what is it called now you know the um where you go up and you i don't know you bought a duvet or a new furniture set or something you have to type in your uh, your confirmation code just quite funny but the one that really, really made me laugh is because I'm thinking, why has he searched that? Why has he gone on Apple Maps and searched Preston? Because he's probably thinking, where am I spending Christmas Day? Because that's the Boxing Day fixture, uh, and he's gone. Oh, Preston! Uh, what was that? What, North Yorkshire. Pre- what, what? What is a Preston? What is a Preston? Yeah. Um, I just thought that's that sums up sums the boy up perfectly that he's yeah. he's got this inquisitive mind and you know he's like oh going to be spending it in preston it's not exactly paris it's not exactly uh I don't know it's not the the France under 21 squad which we'll get onto um Claire Fontaine Academy where they're based Preston Deepdale the uh deep, the
1: Crown Plaza tale. if Preston has one it's a it's it's what you call a traditional boxing day fixture isn't it um it's just making it making it an early one is um, it just feels a bit cruel for anyone who was planning on you know letting go on Christmas Day a little bit uh, they might have to rein it in slightly or or face a a little more um, painful journey to to Lancashire deepest Lancashire um, I went on a journey this week to uh, Seacroft. Um, I was going to say physically or, or spiritually. A little bit of both. Um, went to uh, Our Lady of Good Counsel uh, Catholic Primary School in Seacroft. Um, did not, as as one colleague hilariously suggested, melt upon walking through the doors. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I went there because Joe wrote on an Archie Gray were and <laughs> uh, that was an excellent joke well done um yeah archie gray and joe rodon were going to help with the delivery of leech united foundation's anti-bullying session because it's anti-bullying week next week so you'll probably see lots and lots on social media about that but rodon and gray were drafted in as the kind of star power and when i spoke to katie proud who's the primary stars leader for the foundation and she was delivering the session when we arrived with a year five group. Um, The reason they bring the players in is because the kids will never forget the time when Archie Gray and Joe Rodon came and sat next to them and helped them with their their work on anti-bullying. And so the thinking is that they'll hopefully never forget the content of that session. Um, And also, it's just a really nice thing for a school. I mean, the school were absolutely buzzing. The head teacher was um was positively giddy um you know they just had a really good offsted uh and um it is it is a real treat isn't it like when you get someone like that coming in particularly gray because they, they had no idea who was coming and they were all guessing at who would who it would be and i think most were guessing in hope that archie would be there because he's that kind of the local lad the new hero he's also can you know he's essentially one of their peers being not much older than 10 himself um and uh, and yeah, they, they knew instantly when they walked through the door who, who Archie was. A few of them needed a bit more of a reminder of who Joe Rodon was, which I did enjoy. Um, there, was a, there was a previous school visit, I believe, with I think it was Ethan Ampadu and Willie Nyonto. Everyone knew who Willie Nyonto was. But Ethan Ampadu, who has barely missed a single minute of action this season, had to be introduced to these, uh, these children. Um, but yeah, they were absolutely buzzing to have Gray and, and Rodon in. And um, ben, ben Parker was there as well. Um, what, what his role seemed to be was walking around winding up the children, whose behaviour was previously fantastic. You know, they were, really had their heads screwed on. They were doing some really good collaborative work on anti-bullying until Parker got in their midst um, and found himself embroiled in a £1,000 bet with a young Spurs fan that Spurs won't win the league. Um, so I imagine there will be some sort of FA investigation and, and subsequent charge for Leeds United stemming from that. Um but I yeah, like it, that you, was, you're getting that
0: on the I like that you're getting that on the on the public record nice and early at the first available opportunity. <laughs> yeah. He's really
1: gonna thank you for that. Um, I did consider whether we could name him. I was gonna call him um Penn Barker. Um like that uh, infamous radio interview where it might have been Chris Moyles. Uh, and somebody, somebody had an ex-player on, and they wanted to ask them questions about like who the worst people in football were. And the producer was panicking about them getting sued, so they came up with the idea of um, it's spoonerisms, isn't it, where you swap the first letter mm. of each name around. And so they asked this player, "Who's the absolute worst person you ever met in football?" And he responded, "George Graham." <laughs> Terrific. Um, yeah, so Ben was there, uh, LUTV rocked up, um, and and Rodon and Archie were there, uh, and they were grilled in a Q&A that was spectacular. I mean, it could not have gone any better. Um, the Rodon was asked if he'd ever been bullied on the pitch, um, and you could see him instantly thinking, no one bullies me on the pitch. Uh, but he kind of tailored his answer. He actually gave a really good answer about – not being bullied on the pitch but getting some, you know, nastiness online. Uh, Archie Gray was asked what position do you play and when he responded centre midfield, another child piped up um then why are they playing you at right back uh oh, which was just one two excellent just excellent just so good as if they'd worked on it, you know, like a training ground move that one. Um a playground drill. Uh and then Rodon was asked which is which do you prefer? playing for Spurs or playing for Leeds <laughs> honestly the future of journalism is in very good hands if yeah, it, this, this group an, are, uh, there's, are there's there's no with it. there's no amount of media training that can prepare you for such a moment you know out of the mouths of babes so when I sat down with Rodon after they'd been in the classroom obviously the first question I asked was which is better playing for Leeds or Spurs um, and he kind of mumbled and no comment and, and we moved on from there but um it was just really nice to see, actually, the impact that players going in can have. Um, uh, and, and it was also very nice for us to get a bit of content for the, um, the uh, what would you call it, the desert, the content desert that is an international break. Um, so I'll not, I'll not give too much away about what Rodon said, but I did ask him who he would have liked uh, to have come in when he was in primary school for a visit and uh and he gave two names. I'll let you have a little guess at, at, at one of them. One of them's an ex Leeds United player. And I think yeah. you're gonna be Oh think, oh he
0: thinks oh look, I he thinks think, he's got it. I think I'm gonna jump the gun
1: here. Lee who, Trundle. Who do you think he's, yes. Yep. He got it in one. <laughs>
0: yeah. Fantastic.
1: The, do you know the other one? The other one not Lee ex Leeds ex-Leeds United. Would
0: it be some would it be a player who Leeds fans are probably not too fond of? Oh well no, we got that one out of the way with Lee Trundle. So, um well, I meant maybe like an an ex Manchester United and Welsh
1: international. No, I don't think. No, I don't think so. I'll just give it to you because we'll be here all day. You'll be guessing Swansea players for the rest of the, the day. It was Leon Britton. Um, oh yeah, actually, he, fair enough. That, I, that I, he I, went I, with. If you think yeah. about the era and the time, but you, yeah, you probably wouldn't have got that. Um, but it did. It did make me chuckle that he he went for Lee Trundle, um, who did not have a good time at leeds and was not fondly remembered at Leeds, but of course was an absolute legend uh, in swansea where Rodon grew up um so that was a nice day that was a nice day out at the office
0: very good very good I'm, I'm glad you had that um any uh yeah any other sort of nice tales of i don't know endorsing childhood gambling or
1: anything like that uh no or i did enjoy up po- for the content desert I did enjoy Ben Parker's attempt to get Archie Gray to, s- to join in singing uh, marching on together. I also enjoyed a uh an assistant uh, a teaching assistant who's been at the school for 32 years I think. Really lovely lady um telling Archie I'd no idea who you are until uh, until just now when I've met you. Um but then I think I think she even might have done it there and then gone online and ordered a shirt with his name on it for one of her uh, for one of her family members. Um and the, the players were absolutely besieged with staff members coming for photographs and, and autographs. Um, yeah, it was good.
0: Well done, Leeds. Very, lead. very good. Um, speaking of internationals, well, you've got um, Joe Rodon, Welsh international, Archie Gray, called up to the England's under-19s again today. Um, Jorginho Rutter, though, won't be spending this international break, this final international break of 2023 um, at Thorpe Arch. He will be with Thierry Henry and France's under-21s. How about that? i tell you, tell you what, you can ask Daniel next time you speak to him. Do you think Georgie will, uh, will prefer working with you, former striker Daniel Farker, during the international break, or his, uh, his new under-21s head coach, Thierry Henry, also former striker, and actually probably a little bit better?
1: Yeah, as a, as a player, yeah. Um, coach me like one of your French goals. No, it doesn't work, does it? You can't really say paint me like one of your French girls either, because it—he's not an artist. Well, he was an artist on the pitch, wasn't he? But um, yeah, very it, it, so very it's very—it's a—it's a, a very—it's a very nice link up, isn't it? Ruteir working with Thierry Henry, um, because it can only benefit his game as a striker. Uh, and if he comes back after the international break, and all of a sudden he starts targeting the um, the right sided centre back cutting inside him and curling the ball into the far corner beyond the keeper, then we'll know that Thierry's been up to his old uh, tricks in training. Um, quite a attacking lineup they've got, France under-21s. I mean, Ruterre's been in it before. It's it's more than a year since he's played for them, though. He's kind of been in the, the under-21 wilderness. Um, but one thought that did strike me was, might Henri be looking at Ruterre with an eye on the Olympics?
0: yeah potentially
1: because he's yeah. got you, you've got it's got to be it's an under 23 squad isn't it for the olympics mm-hmm. it's still under 23 um, yeah you can have a few overage players but again not many yeah. and not many likely will actually, that <clears> yeah that they'll be available for the olympics we'll want to I would imagine
0: um when is when is you, the olympics next next summer uh
1: i don't know the exact dates um, But it's but usually in it's August, in, isn't it uh, but it's in france yeah um yeah, maybe you've opened Pandora's box there, and he's going to miss a whole swathe of Leeds United uh, action, um, or at least part of pre-season. But um, yeah, it's—I think it's what it is—is is a really nice recognition that playing in the Championship does not necessarily hamper your international prospects. I mean, for some it might, but Ruter is flying in the Championship, and I think fair play, uh, more part of Thierry Henry's elbow that he's um, that he's. Looked into the the championship and plucked Ruter out of it for um, for a squad that has the likes of Callum Wendo in it, who was once linked with Leeds, um, and has been at PSG. And there's another PSG lad in there as well, and um, Bradley Bacola, yeah, yeah, brothers. So um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he gets on if he gets on and and plays any minutes. Um, but so long as he comes back in in one piece, I think that's probably the the main concern from a Leeds United point of view.
0: Yeah, quite a few uh, Leeds players going out with their, their countries again. Charlie was with the 21s for England. Um, you got Darko JB and Matteo Joseph with the 20s. Uh, Archie with the 19s, as I said. Charlie Crew with Wales' under-21s, um, which again, for a player still 17, um, a great achievement. Um, Glenn Kamara's in the Finland squad, I believe. Um, you'd, you'd imagine that if Ilya Groves Bulgaria call-up, um, I haven't seen it myself, but you'd imagine he'd be in that squad. Um, who else have we? Who else have we got? Who's regularly in those camps? Charlie Allen, your your man, Charlie. He's, yeah, Charlie uh, Allen's been called up for the twenty ones. Yeah, he's in the twenty. In fact, aren't
1: they? Aren't they playing? You lot. I, I don't know. North I'm sure Northern Ireland are playing England at Goodison in November.
0: Whoa! So whoa 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 whoa. Your lot. What?
1: Yeah. Your accent is definitely well. I suppose you could say that my accent's. Uh, English as well these days, but but you you are you're you're England born, are you not? Uh, I'm not sure that getting my birth certificate out is, is what I had planned for this week's. All right, um, well, who okay, if if you had your pick, who would you be called up for? Well, it would be you, who, who you're eligible for for a start. Who am I eligible for? Well, I'm eligible for two.
0: Yeah, go on, and I'd due to my footballing ability, I'd be more likely to be called up by Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing the long game uh, here.
1: Yeah, but you've also managed to besmirch both your, your countries of eligibility um, by saying that Scotland are rubbish and also that you you wouldn't be desperate to play for England. <laughs> but I understand. I get it. I'm, playing, I'm um, playing both sides, so I always come out on top. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Charlie Allen... Um, It'd be terrific if he could come out with a win at Goodison. Um, yeah, we should look at that game. We should look at sending you to that game if I can't get there. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, I think the
0: win is quite, probably quite unlikely from a Northern Ireland perspective. Well, we'll
1: see, won't we? We, we will. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, I, I, I haven't seen the Italy squad yet. Um, that'll be an interesting one. And, especially and after it, you saying
0: that you know the Championship... Is uh, is absolutely fine if you still want to call up. Oh, sorry, Willie. (laughs) I said for
1: some. Just for Georgie. I said for some. um, Do you think that Crescencio Somerville will play for Holland one day? Yes, I do think he will.
0: This season too early? I I don't see him. I'd say the Dutch senior team is probably better than France's under 21s. And oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, they've not been great recently, but they do have plenty of options. And considering that, you know, Liverpool's Ryan Gravenberg is only just about breaking into the senior squad now, suggests that he's maybe still got a little way to go, does, does Cree. But, you know, winning player of the month in the championship, pretty good going, even if Daniel Farker's is not a fan of individual awards. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I think, in fact, just while we've been recording, I think some quotes from uh, Somerville have come out um, on the the Leeds channel, uh, which do definitely contradict what Daniel Farkas said, which I think is brilliant. Um, Crescencio, to be awarded Player of the Month, it's like an individual boost to go even harder the next month.
1: Uh, well, it does and it doesn't contradict what Farkas said because Farkas said, for a young player, you know they get a bit of a boost, so it's nice. And, and I thought FarCA struck an interesting balance. I think what we were all expecting was uh, yes, it's great for Cree uh, to it's very deserved. It's great for Cree to get this award and get this recognition. What we got instead was individual awards are for little slugs. Little slugs are interested in individual awards. Um, he, he basically said that and, and and he's right, we're a collective. you know nobody wins on their own in football. Defenders need attackers. Attackers need defenders. Players need staff. You know, they win. They win as a, a collective. Um, interesting as well that he, he singled out football as being the neediest of sports by, by, by its obsession with individual awards. And, uh, and I suppose he's right. There are a lot of individual awards, aren't there? Like all the time. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, it's, it is tedious sometimes. And the Ballon d'Or, like I have never once been interested. And and who wins the the Ballon d'Or? Um, Shocking revelation from Rangers and Northern Ireland fan. He's never been <laughs> interested in the Ballon d'Or. Are you telling me that Laudrup or Jorg Alberts were not genuine contenders for that award? Because I would I would beg to differ. Uh, or Van Bronckhorst maybe um, for the Ballon d'Or in the yeah, late 90s, right.
0: early two thousands.
1: Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, it's, it doesn't really float my boat either. But I did think it was nice that that Somerville won that award because you can't really look beyond a player who scored that many goals and and got assists and played as well as he did in the month because he was he was fantastic. You know, the Norwich performance was a was a real highlight. Um, and I often think these things are determined almost entirely by end product. You know, no, no matter what the the awards panel might say when they're looking for candidates you're definitely not skipping past a player who's got a, a load of goals in the month are you um but yeah deserved well done cray
0: um I, yeah i do think sometimes individual awards can be a bit of a popularity contest um and speaking of which staying with the uh the, the awards sub-genre of this week's episode uh tweet of the week is back um and Oh, would you look at that? Unanimously voted by the members of this podcast. Um, the tweet of the week is actually by me. Um, it was <laughs> in in reply to your uh, your revelation that Jamie Shackleton was was missing the Leicester game last weekend with a glute issue. Um, and I replied with gluteus shacksimus, which seemed to go down very well because, and see, tweet of the week. This is, it wasn't mine. It was actually by Ben Buford who said, that my suggestion, my gluteus shaksimus pun, play on words, was Pulitzer Prize potential. And I just have to say to Ben, if he is a if he is a listener of this podcast, um, that flattery will get you everywhere.
1: So see, I, I preferred I will be taking this to the um, the Independent Appeals Commission because I like the guy who said that our tweets and, and quote tweeting your tweet in particular uh are all he needs to know that he would not enjoy our podcast <laughs> right i went looking for that i specifically went looking for it i think it's been deleted oh that's a shame you can got to have, it, it you, is if, a shame yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna take a shot and it's a good shot at that a good quality shot with a high xg then you can't you've got to stick by it you have to stand by your convictions if that was your feeling stick with your feeling you can't go deleting stuff like that that was but funny do you, not, do you not think that
0: that individual behind that account, that hate-filled account, um, decided to <laughs> listen to listen to one of the episodes and go, you know what? I was wrong. This this was full of whimsy. Now I too am full of whimsy.
1: So yeah, you know, I I don't know. I, I you may we may have, have saved a life today. Great. I don't think. I don't think many football fans are there to have their minds changed on, on much. And I don't think there's many Leeds fans that are particularly malleable when it comes to the changing of, um, of views after, you know, their initial, uh, determination on someone's character or podcast ability, but, um, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe,
0: maybe they, they did listen to last week's where I forgot to make sure that my mic was connected. Um, and, Decided that my podcast ability was decidedly subpar. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, I certainly hope that Plymouth's performance is decidedly subpar at the weekend. We'll do a brief preview. What do you know about the Home Park Boys, Graham, who are going to be coming to Ellen Road this weekend? It's going to be Farker versus Schumacher. It sounds like a, the old 1-2 at Monza in the F1 2003 driver's standings or whatever it is. I'm not a big F1 fan, so that was a
1: bit convoluted but yeah fine um oh, I don't know anything oh. about Plymouth really uh it's far I know that they're. I know that they're far away um I had a look to see who they're playing on boxing day to see who'd been given the poison chalice and they're actually traveling I think they're at Cardiff and I was like oh that's not too far it's still like three hours away <laughs> they are miles miles away so big long journey um Schumacher formerly of Berry, I think um I'm not sure he played in the Northwest for a part of his, maybe Rochdale for part of his career. Um, so he's not very old because he, he was playing not that long ago. Um, and uh, and I would have known Mikel Miller, but of course he's, I think you said he's suspended. He was at Rotherham yes, previously. Cards. He, was, uh, he was of this parish. Uh, again, he, you know what? I'm, I'm piecing this all together. Now. He played in the Northwest as well. Maybe he played with or for Schumacher previously. Um, but he's not hes not—not not quite my topic for this uh, game because he's not playing. Um, but beyond that, I have to say, there's not a huge amount that I know about them. Does James Bolton still play for them? James Bolton, that's yeah. just a name. <laughs> Are you just saying names, Graham?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I'll admit I don't know an awful lot about Plymouth either, um, apart from their injury list. It's basically tattooed on the back of my eyelids. Um, the fact that they're 19th in the table. They are 19th. They've struggled away from home so far this season. Um, so, really, this could be Leeds' biggest test to see whether they. Callum done...
1: Burton. Cal- they've got Callum Burton in the squad. Let me tell you about Callum Burton, right? Chesterfield Please. played against uh, Ebbs Fleet, I think it was, at home. on, and It was on BT. And uh, it was one of the best games I've ever been to. And um, he. So, so, Chesterfield were 3 0 down, I think. Came back to level in stoppage time with a, a Will Evans header from a corner, and then Callum Burton got his hands on the ball in his area. Chesterfield goalkeeper on loan from Scumthorpe, probably, and uh, and a player got in his way. Uh, Michael Cheek, I think it was, got in his way, um, and it's uh, some cheek, I tell you. And uh, and Callum Burton just lamped him. <laughs> he just he just like he he, he kind of he tried to. Run out. He got a bit of a barge from Cheek and he just lamped him to the floor. Referee, um, might have been Rebecca Welsh, I can't remember, points to the spot, sends him off for violent conduct. Centre half Will Evans goes in goal, saves the resultant penalty from Cheek. Unbelievable. Just incredible scenes. Um, Looking down their squad, I don't think, apart from Saxon Early, there's a great deal else to... To talk about, um, Finn Azaz had a good week last week. He was in the Championship team of the week when Glenn Kamara was not, and nor were any Leeds players actually. Um, so you can only have one just, Finn in there, right? Uh, yeah, very good. Uh, oh, Bally Mumba. He is the young lad who he there was some incident when he was a ball boy. I think he was at West Ham. He was at oh, Sundland. Sunderland recently, yeah. Did he have so a, Sunderland? Yeah. Did he have a maybe I'm thinking of someone else? Anyway, that was a great story. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say uh, actually, um,
0: if people were not wanting to hear whether you know people were or weren't ball boys at West Ham or you know which third choice Plymouth goalkeeper lamp to, um I was gonna say that their number one, Michael Cooper, is actually quite a good goalkeeper by all accounts. Um so if he yes, has a blinder at the weekend then I'm to
1: blame yeah um and here endeth my knowledge uh, and my 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 run through my seminar on uh, on Plymouth Argyle
0: it's a very um it's a very Bournemouth sounding squad if you know what I mean like Matt Butcher Joe Edwards Callum Wright yeah. you know yeah. Dan Scar all very you know could and probably have played for Bournemouth at some point Um, Morgan Whittaker actually is very good Um, he signed from Swansea this this summer he'll be the one who probably leads the line um, at the weekend for Plymouth and he is actually quite a good player Um, so he will be uh, the one to watch I think but yeah they've not been they've not exactly set the world alight um, ahead of the uh, Pilgrim's Pilgrimage up north Ah, would have been so much better if I'd nailed it first time wouldn't it it would have been um, it would have been good, but uh, but sadly, you butchered it. Yeah, I mean, we could probably end it there because you know I, I don't really want to don't want the listeners or the viewers on Shots TV see me start to just let the solitary, I don't know, tear roll down my cheek, um, because of that, uh, and yeah. the ensuing ridicule that you'll uh, you'll bestow upon me. But um, do you have any parting comments for for this week before we do, do you have a prediction?
1: Yes, uh, Leeds United to win by a score of three to nil. Um, three nil, okay. Rutter on the score sheet, Pirro on the score sheet, and we'll go Liam Cooper on the score sheet as well with a
0: header. Very interesting. <clears throat> um,
1: uh,
0: I'm I'm going to go with Archie Gray's first goal in professional football.
1: Oh, interesting as part of a 2 nil win. You nearly said 1 then. I did, yeah. But I didn't. Okay. I two-nil. <laughs> all right, so I'm saying 3 nil you're saying 2 nil We're all very confident. And that's exactly why Daniel Farkham made a point in his press conference of saying they need everyone to be absolutely on it, You know, the supporters, because I think he wants to ward off any complacency in the stadium or any feeling that we can just turn up and lollipop our way to victory against Plymouth I think he's quite wary of that kind of that yeah complacency creeping in uh, around the stadium so he he was very very keen to get the message across that they need to be absolutely on it even more on it than the fans were at, at Leicester away um so that shows they you where to be, his head's at then he's they need not to be predicting three
0: 0 say again sorry yeah
1: I said that shows you where his head's at he's not predicting three nil wins um but he'd, he'd probably got a take more on measured
0: it. like a two or a one. Maybe a two nil.
1: Yeah. You think he'd predict two nil? Yeah, because he'd probably want a clean sheet, wouldn't he? Uh he'd definitely want a clean sheet. And we all you know desire a, a victory before the international break. Because as we said before, it's like a it's like a, a bitter blow, a bitter pill to swallow whenever your team loses before the international break. Um so yeah, let's see. So yeah. Um, if everybody could hope
0: that Leeds pick up a win for mine and Graham's sake um, over the international break, not because it will help in the bid to to earn promotion, um, that's the most important thing, of course. Uh, but yeah, this has been the Inside Ellen Road podcast this week. Lots of topics covered, um, but I think the most revealing revelation of of all is that Daniel Farkas likes his R and B. So uh, I'll leave you with that image. Bye for He's now. He's a a hot stepper. Very nice. Bye for now. The Inside Allen Road podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit 2 Wither Park Industrial Estate in Leeds. PR Supplies, everything for the home.